It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is January 4th, 2020. My name is Philip Rossenreich. I'm the expert insight editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. Of course, find me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. On today's episode of Locked On Magic, we'll talk about the Orlando Magic's win over the Miami Heat and the small chance. Maybe not a small chance, maybe a medium chance, maybe a good chance that the Orlando Magic have maybe turned a corner defensively, that they're starting to resemble the team that we all hoped that they could be. We'll talk a little bit about that possibility coming up here in just a moment, but before we do any of that, I do want to remind you all that you check out all the great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network. We're searching wherever you download podcasts for Locked On and the team you're looking for. Just like this podcast here covering the Orlando Magic with excruciating detail, there's a podcast covering every single team in the NBA with the same level of care and detail that you can only find from a local expert who knows their team best. Want the lowdown on the Miami Heat's perspective of Friday's win? Check out Locked On Heat. Want to get a head start on the Utah Jazz on Saturday? Check out Locked On Jazz. Want to look even further ahead? Maybe you shouldn't. Maybe you should. To Monday's already seemingly humongous game. Yeah, I'm going to say it. Magic are game back of the Nets. Both teams play difficult opponents on Saturday night. It's a pretty big game for the Magic coming up here on Monday night as they take on the Brooklyn Nets. Check out Locked On Nets. You can find all these great podcasts wherever you download podcasts today. Just search Locked On and the team you're looking for. The Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. The Orlando Magic were up by 18 early in the third quarter. Things were going really, really well as they have done. Terrence Ross hit five three-pointers in the first half to give the Magic a lead and the Magic were scrambling well defensively, playing with great energy and effort, and Miami was missing a lot of shots, but the Magic were doing their part. They had staked a lead. They had earned a lead. And then the wheels started to creak and go a little bit off the rails. The Heat made three-pointer after three-pointer. They got to the line. I think they had 14 free throws, I want to say, in the third quarter. And that 18-point lead was shrunk to four. By the end of the third quarter, it was a five-point lead for the Orlando Magic. Felt like we had a ball game. Felt like we had a game that was going to go down to the wire. And even though Orlando had withstood every single run that the Heat had thrown at them, it's fair to say that maybe there were some questions whether Orlando could hold on to said lead. After all, their best defensive player was not even on the bench. He was in the locker room, perhaps, or at home 
uh, nursing a, a very serious knee injury that, that will keep him out for at least a quarter of the season. Certainly it was a chance, perhaps, for the team to lose some hope or, or, or a, team, a team that's undermanned, frankly, to falter a bit. Instead, what happened over the course of the next 12 minutes was really nothing short of defensive mastery. Possession after possession, the Heat would move the ball to a shooter, face a closeout, try and drive, kick it to the next guy, face, face a closeout, try to drive, and get stuck taking terrible mid-range shots. Over and over again, the Magic switched seamlessly, helped seamlessly, stayed on a string, and just worked together in a way that we haven't seen this team do maybe since the beginning of the season, maybe since last season in the playoffs or perhaps in the regular season when the Magic made their run to the postseason. All told, the Orlando Magic held the Miami Heat to just six points in the fourth quarter, tying the Magic's franchise record for fewest points allowed in a single quarter. Miami missed all 10 of their three-pointers. They failed to get to the foul line. This is again, and not again because I'm telling you for the first time, the second-best three-point shooting team in the league by by three-point field goal percentage, and the team that I believe leads the league in free-throw rate. Getting to the foul line is, is Miami's bread and butter. And Orlando shut it all down without Jonathan Isaac. Miami was sloppy. They threw the ball around. They committed a lot of silly, unforced turnovers. So, I mean, so... Uh, Maybe, maybe you take that grain of salt. But Orlando's defense was there forcing a plenty of mistakes too. Forcing Miami into tough shots. Closing out in a way that, for, that caused the Heat to miss three-pointers that they might normally make. And yes, Orlando's offense was enough. They got enough fast-break opportunities. They were able to create switches and create opportunities where they just picked the Heat apart over and over again. In the first half, it was Orlando shooting that led the way, that, that enabled them to take the lead and stake a little bit of a lead. Miami tried to go zone against them, and the Magic all of a sudden were in a passing mindset, moving the ball quickly and precisely to cut that zone apart. David Steele and Jeff Turner on the Magic's broadcast were begging Miami to stay in that zone defense. And the usually intense Miami defense and the usually efficient Miami offense wilted away. The Heat played sloppy, and and I would I would definitely say that they that the that this margin of victory probably wasn't what it would be if Miami had played a better game. But at the same time, Orlando played a really good game. Orlando made their own mistakes throughout the game, and Orlando forced Miami into the kind of mistakes that enabled them to win this game this way. The Orlando Magic defeated the Miami Heat 105-85. to It is perhaps, I don't even think perhaps, it was the best win the Magic have had all year. Miami has a better record than Philadelphia. It was a dominant victory where the Magic really dictated the tempo of the game. And when it came to winning time, when it came to the final 12 minutes of that game, with the Heat bearing down on them, seeming ready to, to break through, the Magic got better. Magic were significantly better defensively in the fourth quarter than they were throughout the rest of the game, and the Magic were very good defensively throughout the game. If we wanted to see what this Magic team really felt like it could be, see the team really adhere to its identity, 
This game was it. The ball moved. Players fought for every loose ball. They won 50-50 balls. They defended at a high level. They closed out. They worked together. Again, it was about as good as the Magic can be. About as good as the Magic have been all year. Nothing to rest your laurels on, of course. It's just one game, and there's another game on Saturday, so we're going to try and make this short. But the Magic took care of business in a in a big moment against a Miami Heat team that they certainly believe that they should be even with. They haven't played that way to this point. But a big win to prove that, that yes, when the Magic play with focused and determined defense, even if they make some mistakes along the way, they play with focused and determined defense, they are capable of beating any team in the league. Certainly any team in the Eastern Conference, almost. The Magic were the ones in control throughout the night, really. Really, throughout the night. I, I, would, I would say it wasn't a wire-to-wire victory, but it, it felt like a, a win where the Magic just thoroughly dominated Miami all night long. They got, They didn't get whatever they wanted offensively, but they got a lot of what they wanted. And it's a kind of win, especially in the first full game without Jonathan Isaac, that you can really build on. And in fact, it does seem like this kind of a game was not just something the Magic could build on. It's something that they were building toward and continuing continuing to move forward with. We'll talk about that here in just a moment. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring, but for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Berea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Berea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. But first, let's run through the final box score for you. The Orlando Magic shoot just 40 points. I'm sorry, I have the, I think I have the wrong box. No, the Magic shoot just 40.7% for the game. Really incredible here. The Magic... Blow out the Miami Heat 105-85, to and they did not shoot particularly well. In fact, you know, their shot selection was fine for most of the game. They, they missed some shots around the basket. They had some easy ones that didn't go down. Um, they fell a little bit in love with the three-pointer there in the third quarter when they let Miami back into the game. But really, the Magic didn't play fantastic offense. They played okay offense. I mean, Didi Augustin was 2-for-10. First kind of bad shooting game in a while, but he was plus 22 on the floor. Um, Markel Fultz was 2-for-7. Nicole Vucevic was 7-for-17. Didn't have a lot of shots. Evan Fournier, Magic's top scorer, 5-for-10. Really kind of efficient game. Uh, Orlando made plenty of mistakes in this one. And again, I think Miami did get a lot of open threes that they just missed for on, on this night for whatever reason. Some of it was the Magic did good closing out, even though the shots were open, to just kind of make them adjust or, or, or shoot a little quicker because the Magic's defense was so on point for a good chunk of the night. 
But the Magic, Magic, you know, didn't have any blow-me-away performances. Terrence Ross, 25 points, leads away off the bench. He scored five three-pointers, five of his six three-point makes, six for 10 from the three-point line, five of his six three-point makes in the, in the first half. So he really set the tone for the game, was able to kind of keep the Magic afloat as they were trying to figure themselves out and figure out lineups. I mean, they, they obviously had Ken Birch playing uh, power. They had Ken Birch playing power forward, which, which Steve Clifford said was a, was a position that he hadn't even really practiced until the shoot-around that morning. So a lot of, you know, a lot of kind of the Magic just kind of throwing things to the wind. But they got a lot of really nice performances, even if the shooting wasn't great. But Terrence Ross leads away with 25 points. This, this is what he does. He catches fire. He kind of lights the team up a little bit, and, and that just changes the way the defense plays him. Um, Steve Clifford did say that he's gonna he's been trying to get Ross the ball in different spots and, and get him open more. Um, and I do think that there's been some adjustment. The Heat did a good job blitzing Ross, but Ross, I think, has changed his approach a little bit. He's not shooting immediately off of pin downs as much anymore. Usually you just see him kind of shooting fire, and, 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 and Ross kind of plays under different rules where he can take some of those contested shots because he can make them. But he's taking fewer of those over the last two, three games now. And I think what the Magic are doing a lot more of is they're trying to get him shots a little bit in kind of screen and roll situations or re-screen situations. There's one really nice play where Ross gave the ball up, started going toward the far side of the court, and then Kembert stepped in and he and Ross cut right back and got a re-screen and, and was able to get an open three. It was a nice little wrinkle um, that that you can do with Ken Birch because Birch is such a good screener and, and, and you can have Vucevic on the block and Birch kind of at the elbow as, as a re-screener. Um, another thing that the Magic are doing a lot more of is, is not straight pick and rolls, but sort of a pick so Ross can free himself and shoot off the dribble a little bit more. Um, I, I think that that has had some moderate success in getting him more open looks and more rhythm looks, which of course are really important. So another really nice game for Terrence Ross as well. The Orlando Magic didn't have Jonathan Isaac for the first time this game, but they welcomed back Aaron Gordon, and, and it was very, very welcome to see him there. 16 points, 7 for 14 shooting, just 1 for 6 from beyond the arc, Three assists, eight rebounds. Um, I thought that I thought Gordon had a lot more assists. I thought that he played this game very much under control. Didn't take a lot of those mid-range jumpers that he sometimes likes to take. The three-point shot wasn't going down, but I did like most of his three-point looks. Um, so those will either go down or they won't. But you want him to, to take those shots. Um, made a big three in the fourth quarter that that kind of that kind of iced the game as well. But um, I felt like Gordon. I felt like Gordon was just really smart. Played within himself. He knew he wasn't quite a hundred percent. Uh, and and I think really did a good job just kind of playing within himself and playing the way that the Magic really need him to play. This was this was a more ideal Aaron Gordon game. Um, he obviously had the big dunk over Tyler Hero. Um, Tyler Hero is, is body is still on the Amway Center floor because it was because he was murdered. Um, but uh, it was it was again a really energetic and solid game for Aaron Gordon. I, I thought defensively he was still and and I thought offensively this was the case too. Still maybe a step slow, you know, a little bit of rust having sat out a little bit. Um, Gordon kind of admitted after the game that it's still a little bit of a process. He's still feeling a little bit of soreness in that ankle uh, and, and hamstring area. Um, you know, they're, they're doing a lot of work, I think, to keep it fresh and keep it loose um, throughout the game and, and before the ga- before games especially. Um, but I, I think, you know, Gordon slowly got his feet under him. Defensively, I thought he committed a few fouls early that he didn't need to commit against Jimmy Butler. Um, but overall, did a good job on Jimmy Butler. I mean, Butler... Finishes with 23 points, 7 for 12 shooting, 9 for 11 from the foul line, 10 rebounds, 7 assists, but 6 turnovers as well. Um, definitely a little bit of a struggle uh, for for there, um, but but I thought the Magic did a decent job kind of containing him, especially in the bigger moments. I mean, when when the Heat were winning, when the Heat were coming back in this game, 
it was because Butler was leading the way, and Gordon definitely needed some time to kind of get his legs back under him to be the defensive ace individually that he can be. But overall, did a great job on the glass. Really, really happy, I felt like, with, with how Aaron Gordon played in this one. Nikola Vucevic scores 20 points, 10 for 17, shooting 2 for 6 from beyond the arc, 11 rebounds, 7 assists, just a just filling up the stat sheet. Um, even though Vucevic did not shoot particularly well in this game, and, and there were definitely some some shots that Vucevic just, you could see the frustration on his face about this making or missing the shot. Um, I felt like Vucevic still had a really solid game. Even though he wasn't shooting, he was keeping others involved. And especially when you're going up against a team that zones, having a big who can flash to the middle, flash to the elbow, flash to the kind of free throw line area, and direct traffic and be a great passer is such a key asset. And I think that's why the Magic just destroyed Miami's zone. Vucevic just did a really good job flashing into that middle of the zone, getting it to collapse, and finding the next open shooter. It wasn't that they needed him to score. And he scored a few times off of it too. He was able to get that floater and that hook shot going. Um, but he did a really good job just spreading the floor out, get, you know, able to pop out to the three-point line even, uh, uh, to, to the empty part of the zone. Um, he just really picked it apart. And, and I, I felt like Vucevic was the fulcrum of the offense and just such a such an important part of the Magic's victory overall. Um, I felt like he was, even though he didn't shoot particularly well, he made some big shots down the stretch, got a couple threes in the fourth quarter. Um, he was just, he was so instrumental in making sure the Magic operated smoothly. So a really nice game for him. As I said, Evan Fournier, 15 points, 5 for 10 shooting, 2 for 4 from beyond the arc. Um, Markel Fultz, I felt like, had a really nice game too. Six points, two for seven, shooting 0 for three. He struggled with a shot and shooting a lot of kind of flip shots and, and, and mid-range jumpers. Um, Fultz is kind of going through a little downturn. I think he's hitting the wall a little bit, um, which is okay. I mean, again, I, 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 I consider this Fultz's rookie year, so I'm expecting some growing pains and some ups and downs that you would expect from a rookie. Um, but he still made an impact in this game. Um, Fultz had six steals. And, you know, you're looking for someone to make defensive plays. Um, not just kind of be in the right spot, not kind of just do your individual responsibility, but but make plays. Because that's really the difference here. That's, that's really what you lose with Jonathan Isaac. He's a guy that, you know, will make good defense beat good offense. Um, and, and that's something that, that Fultz can do a little bit of. Um, he was really smart about where he went for steals. He kind of played free safety a little bit. Um, you know, when, when there's a double, he kind of did a good job kind of sneaking the angle in uh, where the where the offensive player can see it and, and, and getting the ball out that way. Um, it was a, a really good defensive effort, you know, really good kind of off-ball team defensive effort from Fultz. I still think his individual defense is is good, but not always good. Um, you know, I think he tends to ball watch a lot, and I think that's why the Heat did get some of the open shots that they got. Um, but a really promising game, and Fultz made big steals. He made big plays that led directly to points that the Magic absolutely need in this game. Again, a good energy effort from him. One more player of note, um, Ken Burch didn't do, any, didn't do much in the stat line, but I thought he had a really nice game. Um, but one more player to note here, Mo Bamba, five points, two for five shooting, 11 rebounds. Did a really nice job on the glass in the second quarter. Did most of his work in the second quarter. A great and one dunk. Um, you know, got himself got himself into open spaces and, and, and got good looks. Just about making them right now. Um, but the work on the glass is really important. I think Bamba has vastly improved as a rebounder. Um, I think that's honestly the most uh, important thing for him right now. Uh, and, and we're seeing, and he clearly is much more comfortable on the floor. I mean, I think there's some people that still aren't sure what he is yet. And, you know, I would continue to say his development is, is meant to be more patient. Um, but uh, he is he is making some serious strides. Now, 
He still has to put on a ton of muscle. Bam Adebayo moved him off the spot several times. Even on rebounds, just kind of kind of moved him away from where, where the ball was going to be. So he still has a lot of work to do on his body. I don't think he's quite ready for that. And certainly his offense isn't quite consistent yet. Maybe some of that's playing time maybe or not. I, I, I don't know. Um, but I think this was a really good game for Bamba. I, I think he continues to, to, to show the progress that you want to see from him and the development that you want to see from him. And hopefully um, he'll continue to get better as the season goes on and continue to improve there. The Orlando Magic, again, shoot 40.7% from the floor, 13 for 35 from beyond the arc. They only have 10 turnovers a game, which, of course, is a big deal in this one. The Heat turned the ball over 18 times. 18 turnovers for the Heat leads to 13, or leads to 24 Magic points. Orlando's 11 turnovers lead to 13 Heat points. Um, Orlando really did a good job limiting the Heat's fast break. Only eight fast break points, only two second chance points to the Magic. Even though they give up 10 offensive rebounds, do a really good job preventing any of those second chance opportunities. That's really good sign of defense. The Magic scrambling really, really well. Miami shoots just 37.5% from the floor. Seven for 37 from beyond the arc, 18.9% there. Only 18 of 23 from the foul line. Again, the Heat do a really good job getting to the foul line. Uh, you know, 11 free throw attempts for Jimmy Butler, five for Bam Adebayo. So a really good job keeping the Heat relatively off the foul line. That was really the only way the Heat were able to generate enough offense to stay in the game. 23 points for Jimmy Butler, 14 for Bam Adebayo. The Orlando Magic defeat the Miami Heat 105-85 to in a critical Southeast Division battle. They're back in action Saturday against the Utah Jazz. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. So, Jonathan Isaac spoke to the media after after Friday's shoot-around before the game against the Miami Heat, and there's a, you know, there's a tinge of, of disappointment um, in the air. I mean, I, I would not have blamed the Magic necessarily for, for losing this game or, or for still kind of having to figure things out, because there's a lot still to figure out without, without, without Isaac in the lineup. But... Isaac was pretty was fairly upbeat. You know, I got to give the kid a lot of a lot of credit. I mean, obviously he is he is a man of faith, and 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 you know sometimes faith does come with irrational confidence or irrational. You know, faith is essentially irrational belief sometimes. Um, but this this is a kid that 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 you know trusts a higher you know trusts a higher power, so to speak, to 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 get him where he needs to be. You know, and 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 and, I, and honestly. I think that enables him to put the work because because he feels confident that there's nothing in front of him that he can't tackle and you know you, you know I, I'm I'm not a religious person uh, but you know I do admire that that belief in, that that he has and and I have no doubt that he is going to work and work hard to get back and be healthy and you know if if there if there is a possibility for him to play before the end of the season I, I think that that he will certainly certainly be pushing for that especially if the Magic are in the midst of their playoff chase. I mean, Isaac would be in line for an all-defensive team, uh, you know, if he could hit the hit the minimum games, which, you know, would, would be a bit of a struggle now because he'll probably end up paying, playing uh, around half the season, around 41 to somewhere between 40 and 50 games total. But Isaac kind of closed 
you know, I, I listened back to, to what Isaac said and, and, and some, this, this, this struck me about Isaac. He said that the disappointment that he had in, in the injury was not so much in, in missing games and, 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 not, and not being there with his teammates. It was, he said it, what, what disappointed him was that he really felt like the Magic were turning a corner. And what he really wanted to do was, was be there with, with his brothers, with his teammates, as they figured it out. As they finally figured it out after 30-some-odd games. And started playing like the team we all imagined they could be, or they would be. That's the thing that Isaac wanted most, in essence. Was to play with his teammates and be the team they all thought they could be. Now, you're probably sitting there thinking, like, turn a corner. What's what's he talking about? Team is 16 and 19, three games under 500. They're treading water. They've just lost, you know, one of their best players, one of the most impactful, important players. Monday, lest you forget, just two games ago, they lost to the Atlanta Hawks at home without Trey Young. A really embarrassing kind of soul-searching loss. In fact, it was Jonathan Isaac who, you know, so succinctly put it that they don't always adhere to their identity. How are they so close to turning a corner? Honestly, looking back at it, it is that loss. It is that defeat in the run of games that the Magic have had really since coming back from that West Coast trip that I think made that game so much more disappointing is the fact that it seemed like Orlando did understand what it had to do. Getting that win against the Philadelphia 76ers a couple weeks ago and the way they got that win made it sure made it seem like they understood exactly how they need to play. Were able to execute it at that level. That Philadelphia game was as good defensively as the Magic have played all years. You know, a really, really nice win. And it felt like that was a turning point kind of game. So, you know, after dropping a, a game to Atlanta, dropping, you know, getting beat up by Milwaukee, how is this team close? You know, certainly, uh, certainly I could probably sit here and I would probably, I probably told some people that, that and I've really said this throughout the whole season. I really do think that the team was close. Even as they struggled, you could see little signs here and there of how close they were. And some of it was they just needed to make shots. Some of it was, you know, their defense was just a hair off. It was just about this, that, or the other thing. I would argue that injuries have kind of disrupted their rhythm on, on both ends of the floor uh, and, and creating consistent, consistent. But really, it, it just comes down to approach and effort and just being precise and attention to detail. And, and yes, the attention to detail hasn't always been there this year. So, how in the world were the Magic turning a corner? Well, the last two games certainly do feel that way. Beating the Miami Heat the way they beat the Miami Heat, giving up just six points in the fourth quarter, and and it really not feeling like that. It, it still felt like the way the Magic were playing, that they needed every possession. They needed every stop. They were not going to let Miami score, and, and the Heat obliged them. They couldn't score. 
and, and you know you could you could take the score off the screen and you would have thought it was a two three four point game magic were probably even down they needed every possession they were playing with desperation and energy that they haven't played with consistently all year that's the magic way that's ultimately how the magic want to play And they did that against Miami, against Washington, for some stretches at least, against Atlanta, against Philadelphia, against Chicago. In fact, in four of the past six games for the Magic, they have held their opponent to less than a point per possession. The Magic for the year, you know, are a a good defensive team but not nearly as good as they should be. And it's been a, a point of contention and a point of emphasis for Steve Clifford uh, throughout this part of the season. You know, he's, he's talked all year about the need to rebound better, to get back on defense better. But guess what? The Magic are now back in the top 10 in the league in defensive rating. 10th in the league at 104.7 points allowed per 100 possessions. And so, saying that, in five of the Magic's past six games... They've held teams to better than their season average. Against the Hawks, the Magic gave up only 104.1 points per 100 possessions. So their defensive rating in that game actually wasn't bad. I would argue their defense in the second half wasn't good, and, and that's a, that's the big reason why they lost. It didn't matter that they weren't making shots, but that, that, game, was, that game they lost because their effort was not where it needed to be. They, they, they got lazy. They, they didn't pay attention to detail. Somehow, and perhaps it was expected, I certainly expected against Washington on, on Wednesday, that loss has snapped the Magic back to attention. They played well coming back from the West Coast trip. Maybe they were coasting playing that Hawks game. But that game seems to be an outlier. And playing the Bucks is always an outlier because they're a very good team. The Magic appear to have found that defensive juice again. And not even losing Jonathan Isaac's going to slow that down. Not even losing one of their best defensive players is going to change that. The Magic are recommitted to defending at a high level and using that to create their offense. And yes, maybe their offense isn't going to score a lot of points all the time. They only, you know, shot 40.7%. They scored only 105 points total, 108.2 offensive rating. But if they play defense and elite level like they have really for the last week, two weeks, if they do that, then they can beat anybody. They can give themselves a chance, even if the offense isn't quite there, even if Nikola Vucevic isn't having a great game, even if Evan Fournay is taking only 10 shots. It always comes back to defense. It always has with this team. Have the Magic turned a corner defensively? I don't know. I would always probably say that momentum is the next day's pitcher. But there is a growing trend, a growing body of work that would suggest that, yes, the Magic have rediscovered their focus defensively. Over the last... Six games, excepting really one game, 
The Magic are playing defense at a significantly higher level. They're rebounding better. They are preventing turnovers. They're, they're not turning the ball over. They're getting out in transition better. They're controlling the tempo of the game through their defense, which is really what they want. And if that's turning the corner, then that means the Magic are poised. Yes, when they're about to hit their the most toughest part of the schedule, the most difficult stretch of the schedule. And yes, as I alluded to earlier, entering a pretty big game, a quietly big January game, Monday against Brooklyn. Then yes, it does appear the Magic have turned a defensive corner. Of course, that can completely fall apart after one game. And as good as the Magic played Friday, they'll have to be just as good Saturday to beat a streaking hot Utah Jazz team. I want to thank you all again for listening to this weekend edition of Locked On Magic, whether you listened to it before Saturday's game or not. I hope you enjoyed it. I'm sure the thoughts will still be relevant, but we'll we'll see after Saturday's game. I'll be back again in our next episode to recap the Magic's game against Utah Jazz. You can, of course, download our podcast wherever you download podcasts on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Himalaya, Google Play, Spotify, and all the fun places to download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. You can find me on Twitter at R underscore MD. And, of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. That's going to do it for me today. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. For Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic, this has been Philip Ross and Reich. I'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked on Magic. You are Locked on Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.